Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hey there, welcome to session 250 of Selling the Couch. So this interview is a little bit longer than the typical interview, so we'll dive right in. Today's conversation is with my videographer, Michael Rothermel from CursiveFilms.com and MichaelRothermel.com. And Michael and I actually were part of the same faith community for a period of time, and then Michael moved but we've still maintained contact and Michael actually was gracious enough to film the welcome video for STC back in 2017. And I can't believe I haven't had Michael on before, but in the middle of this pandemic, I, I was reaching out to Michael. We were just talking about some future collaborations and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, hey, Michael, can you come on and talk about how to improve video quality, especially with live videos, so online sessions, and if you want to do more live streaming, any of that kind of stuff. And so Michael was like, yeah, let's jump in. And so, hey, friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Today, we are talking about the three tips to improve your quality when you're doing live videos, so online sessions or anything like that. So we will dive right in. Michael and I, this is a fun conversation, but before we do, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Brighter Vision for supporting today's podcast session. Brighter Vision is a company that specializes in creating private practice websites for our field. And so one of the really cool things is that they work with thousands and thousands of our colleagues in private practice. So they have lots of information and data in terms of what works for to convert in terms of moving potential clients into clients for our private practices. And so they have pre-made templates and they'll work with you to put your content up and all of those things. You can learn more about Brighter Vision and the services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Brighter Vision. So we'll dive right into today's conversation. Here's my conversation with Michael Rothermel from CursiveFilms.com and MichaelRothermel.com. 
Hey, Michael, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, thanks for having me on. Oh my gosh, it's so good to talk to you. I shared with this with you privately, but you know, you have played a big role behind the scenes to make STC what it is. So for those of you guys that are, that are listening, Michael and I are, are friends. We actually connected through our church community. And back in 2017, I had approached Michael and I was like, hey, I created this blog and I needed some, needed like an intro video done. Do you think we could do that? And Michael was just so gracious. And so we recorded in a coffee shop, I remember. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a ton of fun. And I, one, I am so sorry I have not had you on the podcast uh, because you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to video. And I really am just grateful that you're here today to teach us. <laughs> well, I'm honored. No, it's really exciting to be talking with you. And yeah, even like you were saying, just reflecting back on the past three or four years and just talking about how much selling the couch has grown and then how much I've grown as a you know commercial director and a filmmaker. And yeah, just excited to to share what I know. And yeah, hope that it really helps your audience no, yeah, grow their businesses and platforms. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's an interesting time. We were talking about this right before, which is, you know, we're recording this right in the middle of a pandemic. And there was, I know for many mental health professionals, there was that period when the pandemic first started where there were some folks that were just doing all 100% office. There were other folks that were doing a hybrid of online sessions plus office sessions. And then there were folks that were already 100% online. But there was this like strange transition period, a lot of scrambling, a lot of trying to figure things out. And now I think as the pandemic continues, I, I feel like there is like a not a settling, but more some normalcy, right? They've transitioned to telehealth. And even now, like, you know, as as areas open up, there is this question of going back into the office versus staying online, all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to have you on because I know that many folks want to improve their video quality, especially with sessions, right? I feel like quality video makes a big difference professionally on all of that stuff. So just uh, excited I had asked you to share if you could just think of three tips. And so I'm really excited to dive into those. Yeah. And just to add, like to your point, I've had a bunch of conversations about how it's really interesting to see how video has come to the forefront in a new way where, like you were saying, everyone <laughs> pretty much is remote right now, right? The, except for the few people, you know, in hospitals and, and grocery stores, but everyone has moved remote or is slowly coming back to work. And I think the interesting thing to me as I had these conversations is that our culture was already moving in this direction, right? Like remote work is a, a big trend and digital nomads and all these ideas where a lot of your meetings would be via video, whether that's Zoom or Google Hangouts or FaceTime or what have you. And yeah, I think that common trend of video and how that is coming to the forefront in a new way. So yeah, excited to really dig into that a bit with you and, and talk through yeah how everyone can, with some simple steps, make their video better. And then, you know, depending on how much you have to invest, you can always continue to level it up. But yeah, just excited to share a few tips. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that first tip that you had shared or that you wanted to share was just speaking about sound quality. And I would love to like hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So 
One thing in broader filmmaking that a lot of filmmakers like to talk about is kind of the competition between image and sound. And a lot of times it's easy for some people to focus on the image or, you know, how things look. But at the end of the day, the fact is sound is a huge part of films and a way that even the visual isn't important because sound is the only physical part of a video where if your video is overexposed or out of focus, it might be annoying and it might or even distracting at worst. But if your sound is too quiet, it's the video is broken or even worse, if the sound is too loud and it starts to clip, it can hurt someone's ears. And, you know, I'm sure we've all had that experience where you've had your headphones on and you had your volume up for one video and then, you know, you switch to the next video and the volume was so much different and it, it just kind of like shook you and you had to take your headphones off or turn the sound down quick. And so all that to say, sound is probably the most important thing to consider, which is funny because when you think of video, your first thought is a visual, but really when it comes down to it, if you don't have good sound, and especially for your audience, when your your job is communicating with people, talking with people, or really anyone who's you're trying to have a meeting, whether it's a business meeting or a therapy a session, sound is so important because you need to be able to hear the other person, but they also need to be able to hear you. And so a few tips to make sure that you have the best possible sound is start by finding a quiet space and turn off, remove, or minimize any background noises. So if you're near the refrigerator and it's really loud, either try to move away from that or if that's where you have to record, temporarily unplug it, turn off any ceiling fans. If you have some roommates that are being loud, ask them to be quiet for your meeting. Anything like that where you can remove or minimize those ambient noises, that's going to help you right from the get-go. And then the next step is if you're filming with a computer or a phone or a camera without an external mic, you want to bring that as close to you as you possibly can while you know still seeing the image that you want to see through the video. Because there's a essential fact with sound that the closer the microphone is to your mouth, the cleaner your audio is. And the further the microphone is from your mouth, the the louder the signal is going to have to be. And that, I mean, you can easily dig into the science of that, which I know nothing about. But at the end of the day, bring the computer or phone or camera as close to you as you can to clean up that audio. And then if you can't afford an external microphone, this will really improve your audio. And I mean, there's really so many options. We were talking a little bit about this beforehand where Right now, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, so the mic I have is a, a Rode NTG2. I have that going in through an external recorder, a Zoom H6, and then into a video switcher into my computer. So we're recording this via Zoom right now, which is a little bit more of a setup than most people want, to be honest. And so there's a lot of great options with USB microphones, podcast mics. Rode sells a lot of great microphones from pro video mics down to USB mics that you can plug straight into your computer or some that even go into your phone if you still have the audio jack. And so there's a wide range of options and quick Google search will give you a lot of reviews and comparisons. But all that to say, sound, if you can get an external mic, that's going to help you out a lot better because then you'll be able to move the camera around independent of the microphone and that'll just improve your audio quality overall. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I So do you have any like offhand and I can definitely share what I'm using, any like specific USB mic recommendations? So I'm not as caught up with the, the latest ones right now because I've kind of switched to this whole setup. I know that 
you mentioned you have a road. Yeah, uh, I do. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I can definitely jump in and share. So um, for my main podcasting mic, and this is actually also the mic that I use for any like sessions, any coaching calls, anything like that, is uh, the Audio-Technica ATR 2100 USB. So it's around a Mm. $60 mic. Um, It has both the USB so you can just plug it right into your USB, but it also has an XLR jack as well on the back um, if you like. The one that I got recently, which I wish I had gotten a couple of years ago, but the only reason I didn't get it is because it wasn't available. It just, uh, I think, came out like toward the end of last year, which is the Rode VideoMic NTG, which it's not an XLR. It's actually a USB input. So, I mean, I've, I'm loving it. I use it for live streams mainly. I'm going to be using it for videos for online courses and stuff like that. But the really interesting thing is this mic, you can actually put on like a desktop tripod and just plug it in and it almost acts like a, you know, just a traditional USB mic. Or you can put it like on a on an arm like I have it right now. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, no, so I think there definitely are some great options. And so, I mean, I love the point that you made about that competition between sound and, and image quality because I think about that, like people... I must think of it, it sounds almost like people are somewhat more forgiving when you have a poor image, but less forgiving if the sound is not good. For sure. Yeah. I wanted to switch. So so sound quality is really important. And then what about like any other, what about like a second tip that you might have for us? Yeah. So once you have your good sound in place, lighting is the next thing that you want to think about. And When it comes down to it, I think everyone (laughs) knows this more and more with the advent of social media and selfies and iPhones and all that good stuff. (laughs) But good lighting is key to looking good. That's really what it comes down to. And there's a thousand different ways you can and set up lights. And when you're on a big film set, you may see them set up all sorts of lights and reflectors and diffusion and black wrap and all these other things to model the light. But at the end of the day, if you're you know, you want to keep it simple. Natural light is really going to be the best. So start by finding a big window and just start there and see how that light is falling on you and play with the angles. So you want to start by thinking if you want more of a beauty light or more of a kind of painterly or professional light, where if you're facing straight on to the window, it's going to give you more of that flat light that is more like a typical beauty lighting that it's even there's no shadow on one side of your face, the light's falling evenly on your face. Versus if you turn a little bit, 45 degrees angle or so to your left or to your right, you're going to start to get a little bit more of a side light where that can give you a little bit more definition and dimensionality, but it also can help just give a little bit more of a a professional and, and refined look to your image. And then if you need to use artificial lighting, maybe it's a cloudy day or you just don't have a great window where you're at, If you need to use artificial lighting, make sure that you bounce or diffuse it to soften your shadows. And so there's an acronym that kind of helps you think through uh, the attributes of light, which is DISC. So it's distance, intensity, softness, and color. And so the distance, you want to start by bringing that light as close to you as you can. uh, Because if you think about it, the easiest way to visualize this. If you think about the sun, it's, you know, however many millions and millions of miles away from us. And so by the time the light gets to us, it's a very hard light. And that's why 
you know, if it's a clear day, you have pretty defined hard shadows on the ground. Next letter is intensity. And so that's just the output, the volume, the how much light is, is being put out by the light. And so you'll want to balance that with your background so that if you make it too bright and then your background might go dark, but if it's too low, then it, it won't make any difference at all. So you want to lock in your intensity so that it's, it's making a difference and doing what you want. And then the softness, so that's where the diffusion comes in. If you have a simple uh, five-in-one, which is a, a pop-up reflector that it's called a five-in-one because it has a, a black side, a silver side, a gold side, and then a white side. And inside, if you take off the outer wrapping, it gives you just a clear piece of diffusing material that you can shoot your light through. And what that does is it makes your light source appear larger, which is going to help you with the spread of your light and the softness of your shadows and just give it an overall more appealing quality to your light. And then the last letter is color. And so that's just saying if you have a tungsten versus a fluorescent versus a daylight balanced bulb, really the best if you can help it is going to be a daylight balanced bulb, particularly since then that will be able to color balance with any window light that you have coming in, where if you have a tungsten bulb, it's going to give you that really nice warm glow, which is maybe what you want to go for. But then just keep in mind, if you have that orange warm light contrasting with the window light, it could give you a nice look, or it could end up mixing the colors and potentially not looking as as good as you would like. So you said you use the image of the sun and you said because the light is traveling so far, it produces that sort of intensity. So it sounds like with lighting, the real key is in an ideal scenario, you would want like, and the, I'm even thinking of like, like online sessions and stuff, right? So the ideal scenario is to have some sort of a daylight, like light bulb with some sort of a diffuse, like a diffusion material, like a softbox basically, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then to have that like as close as you can to you without it being in the camera, like during a session, right? Right. And then, so the other side of this is, and you said it like, and I wanted to just, just make sure, because I see this, I, this is a mistake that I made and I've seen this like with colleagues when they're doing sessions. Mm. So a lot of times the key is, to actually have the light from windows or from like a softbox hitting your face as opposed to it being behind you. Is that right? Yeah, that's a key fact that I, I didn't didn't mention is you really want to avoid having the window behind you if you can help it because then, right, you're going to be backlit and it's going to be that much harder to to see your face. Yeah, right. So, yep. So practically what that means is if you're doing an online session and you've got a window behind you, the camera is trying to figure out like, okay, there's this really bright background and then you're in the front. And so it can't, so basically like camera lenses, at least the way that I understand it, they're not as, they don't have the range of, I guess, seeing ability that our eyes do, right? So they're trying to figure out what that sort of best balance is. And so usually what's going to happen is like, you know, for example, if I were doing a session, I'm going to come out looking a lot darker my face is but the background is going to come out looking really bright and it's just not going to give the most ideal scenario yeah one of the at least for me easiest ways to think through that is Ansel Adams came up with a system which I think was called the zone system and basically if you visualize a gradient from black to white and 
then break it up into, I want to say 12 zones. So you have, instead of a pure gradient, you kind of have a, a blocks of color ranging from pure white to pure black. And then looking at your video, if you were to even turn it to a black and white and just remove the color from the image, you can then sort of look at your face, the background, any other, if you have a bookshelf behind you or a plant or whatever else is you're seeing in the video, think of what value that has on that scale. And so to what you're saying, if you have the windows behind you and they're you know almost a pure white on that scale, but then you don't have a good light on your face, there's no window in front of you, your face is essentially going to be closer to a dark gray. And so like you're right, most cameras until you get to, you know, really expensive cinema cameras that cost more than a car, you know, crazy amount. A lot of cameras that, you know, we're using, especially our webcams, they just don't have the capacity to see that range from pure white to pure black. And so they'll try to compensate and right, either it'll end up exposing for your face and the background will be all blown out or it will expose for the window and then your your face will end up being too dark. And so, yeah, you really want to avoid that as much as possible. No, that's really good. I also wanted to ask you this question about, so color. So right now, you know, I'm using a softbox that's like, I guess it has daylight balance bulbs. So again, does it, and you said there can be this tension, right? Like if you have a tungsten bulb, so more of a golden color, and then you have daylight coming in, there can be this like weird sort of, like, you know, it can, it can either look mm. really good or it can look off. Random question. Yeah. Again, these are naive questions, but <laughs> no. does the bulb, like would a daylight bulb or a tungsten bulb, your decision to get that, would that at all be affected by like the pigmentation of your skin? That's a really good question. I think that, I mean, this kind of dives down into color science, which I'm not as much of an expert on, but I think that the nice thing about daylight in general is that it's just a it's just a nice clean light that is gives you a very balanced image and then the difficulty especially for you know webcams or iPhones is once you start to mix the light because if you had just tungsten light so like if you were you know maybe set up at night and you have just tungsten lights on in your house they're all the same color which there's a term white balance to use in photography and video. And that's essentially measuring the, the Kelvin temperature on a, a scale from cool to warm. And so essentially you can sometimes, if, you know, depending if you set it up just right, you can mix tungsten and daylight to give a, a, a certain effect. But more often than not, you'll, you'll want to just use daylight or just use tungsten because of that that color contrast. And then I think particularly when it's contrasting on your face, when you have, for example, if you have a window to your right and then a tungsten lamp to your left, it's going to, those are kind of going to overlap on your face. And for cameras, that's going to be difficult then to know like, all right, do I balance for the tungsten light or do I bounce for the daylight? And you're going to start to get some, you know, weird color issues. So I think that's a good question that I think would I'd have to dig in a bit more to know if it's tungsten versus daylight by itself that would affect how different skin tones are, are registered or if it is more, uh, yeah, because I, I think it's a, one of those interconnected things too, right? Where it's the lighting, it's how you have the lighting set up, but then it's also the camera that you have and the lens within that and the sensor. And yeah, they're, they're all kind of interconnected. 
Yeah, right. There's like multiple variables at play. So I think what I'm hearing is like, if you're listening to this and you are just trying to figure this out, maybe a daylight balance would be the great like first place to start. That way you're not trying to like contrast it too much with light coming in from a window or anything like that. Yeah. And I mean, the nice thing that I I don't think I mentioned this, but, you know, when I first started making films back in, you know, middle school or, you know, high school, I think it was, I just used some work lights from, you know, Home Depot. And you can go in there, get some those really cheap work lights and get some daylight balanced bulbs from the lighting section. And then, you know, really even just find some other semi-transparent material to diffuse it. So people have used shower curtains. You could find, you know, maybe a, a, I'm trying to think what the paper called. There's a thin like washi paper or something. There's, there's all sorts of materials or, you know, a light fabric to diffuse the light. So you really can start there and then kind of build your way up to expensive lights. Like we were talking about earlier. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, even just for me, like I, I mean, Michael had recommended I get a softbox for the office, especially if I was going to get more into video. And this was a couple of years ago, right? And the one I got was like, I think the brand is Impact. And it's it was budget-friendly, nothing too fancy. And honestly, this is still what I'm using for these live streams. But I was telling Michael, like, there's a... I think as I start to do more live streams, and particularly as I start recording more courses and stuff like that, I, I think I will get a nicer light. But... Definitely, you can start something more reasonable and then, you know, work your way up and save money and and get something that's, you know, higher quality. Yeah, for sure. So that last point, what would you share in terms of, you know, just improving the quality of live videos? Yeah. So my last tip is one that maybe you would think about first, but I think sound and lighting are so important that I wanted to mention those first. And then the, the third one is think about composition. So how can composition help make your video visually appealing, but also tell a story that positions you as the professional that you want to be seen as in, in, you know, your, in your video meeting? So first think through what background elements. So if you have a bookshelf that, you know, if you have a bookshelf behind you that really presents you, or you have some plants that add a nice softness to it, if you have other equipment that kind of ties into your profession that you want to set some strategically in the background. There's there's a lot of ways you can take that, but really start by thinking through how do I want the person on the other end of this video to perceive me? And then what background elements can I set up? If you're, you know, a chef, maybe you set up in your kitchen or just in your dining room with, you know, your your silverware in the background. If you're yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about a therapist because I, I think I have some very basic thoughts, but I mean, I think with that, like wanting it to feel probably warm and welcoming, maybe with some, you know, plant or, you know, maybe a bookshelf if you are going for more kind of elevated, but I mean, what are your thoughts? I'll, I'll throw a question back at you. What, as you know, speaking as a therapist, what, what kind of visual elements would you want to see in the background? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. So I know for me, and we were talking about this right before. So recently, you know, I got a bookshelf that's kind of the back, you know, behind me. And I had been uh, saving up for this bookshelf and then it went out of stock when COVID first hit. So then I had to wait a couple of months. And so, and so I ended up getting this bookshelf and what I, I don't know, I, so like, I love like what I guess called like modern rustic kind of look, right? So sort of like simple elements, but also have that, you know, wood black tone. And so 
So I wanted one to pick a bookshelf that I felt was kind of modern and, but modern, but clean, but interesting. And then honestly, right now, the bookshelf, the way it looks is not what I'm envisioning as the final product because we haven't been able to get to stores and stuff because of the pandemic. (laughs) But so I had to pull some stuff from the house. But my vision is actually to do so the wooden bookshelf, and then I'm going to have primarily white kind of stuff on it, along with hints of gold. And then uh, probably like that, I don't know, it's like that sea green turquoisey color, just like pops. And so I don't know, for me, it's the green, I think it like symbolizes growth. And and so and then the white is just sort of that. I think the the white is like that purity that and the I think the white with the wood on the bookshelf would contrast really well. Um, Mm. And then I think the reason I picked the gold is just sort of wealth, prosperity. Uh, But I also love just nerdily. I love like when I do live streams or videos, I love that when light hits gold, I love that it shines. Mm. So it gives that nice, what's that bouquet? So yeah, I love that. Yeah. So that's kind of my rationale. And then I have some plants on here too (laughs) for growth. And I think it's what you're saying. Mm. Like it's, I want it to be professional, but I want it to be like modern. And I want it almost like a, what's the word? Like minimalistic, but with sort of a modern professional flair. Yeah, I love that. And I I love like, just to pull out the one point, there's that like, that's also just, as you talked about it, it's such a reflection of who you are. And like, as a person, like, you know, obviously you're saying some things about who you are professionally, but also it, it says a lot about your personality and what you like. And so I think, you know, that's, that's important to think through too is how is this reflecting who you are personally as well as professionally? And I like that you called out color because color theory is one thing that I could definitely nerd out on for a bit. But all that to say, we all know enough from, you know, basic interior design. And if you've painted a few rooms in your house or, you know, done basic decorating, like blue and green colors are soothing, where, you know, red and orange and yellow are more energizing and loud. And you could just kind of, you know, go onto Pinterest or any kind of home design site to really dive into maybe some of the thought behind how you could decorate to, you know, evoke one emotion or another. But all that to say, like, what you put in the frame, as well as like, what you're wearing. So like, right now, I'm like wearing a a blue shirt with some white dots. And, you know, it just, it, it looks nice and professional, but it also has kind of an easygoing color to it, uh, which I think is, you know, reflective of my personality. I, I tend to be pretty easygoing. And so I love blues and, and greens personally. And so I, I tend to throw a lot of those in when I'm, whenever I'm doing a video of myself. Yeah. And then to move on to the next thought in composition. So if you're on a phone, the first thing you want to do is make sure to turn it horizontal or landscape so that the long side of your phone is parallel to your desk or table uh, or wherever you're setting up. Because what that does is instead of filming a vertical video, gives you the horizontal video. And particularly if the person on the other end is, you know, on a computer or a TV screen or what have you, those are all horizontal screens. And so you want to make sure that you're making the most of the screen real estate that you have. And then the next thing you want to do is make sure that your phone or computer, if you're on a computer or camera, is stabilized. And so you can get one of those little tripods for pretty cheap on you know, Amazon or B Nature, wherever you, you go to, to buy your gadgets. 
that you can just slide your phone in and it'll keep your phone nice and stable. And then you can also raise it up, which is kind of the next point of you want to think about the placement of your phone or camera or computer in terms of your eye level. And so if you put it a little bit lower than your eye line, it gives you a little bit of power because the camera is looking up on you. And if you put it higher, kind of going back to what looks good, this is, it kind of looks appealing. A lot of times, you know, people take selfies looking down on them because the angle tends to be just like a little more visually appealing and, and flattering. But if it's an extreme angle looking down on you, it can also give this sense of looking down and maybe remove some of the visual power that you would have. And if you want to avoid either of those extremes, the best thing to do is just put it level with your eyeline. And so then it, it feels like you're just having a conversation with whoever's on the other end and you're kind of avoiding that power dynamic of looking down or, or looking up. All this can kind of be tweaked to whatever end of your goal for the video. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. I mean, that particularly that that thing of, and I never even actually thought about it in these words, how camera angles can actually like symbolize or convey certain power dynamics in the therapeutic relationship, right? And because I mean, I've seen this, like, you know, especially, you know, there's been seen like a lot of posts, especially, you know, this COVID time where, you know, folks will share like a screenshot of like, oh, this is what I look before my online sessions. And many of them look fantastic. And, but I have seen a couple of them where they're like almost like below, the camera's like below eye level. So you're kind of looking up, which kind of creates this weird like thing. And then I've seen also like kind of too high, which it makes it, it almost like looks like disproportional. So I like that point that you're making about like camera angles and how, what they're symbolizing. That's cool. Michael, I can't believe our time is already over. We uh, went a little bit over, but I, I figured we'd nerd out all this stuff. But thank you so much for your time. I really am just grateful for you, grateful for our friendship. Where can we learn more about you and some of the awesome stuff that you're doing in the world? Yeah, thanks so much. Again, for having me, Melvin, this was a lot of fun and hope it was super helpful for all your audience. So you can check out my film production business at www.cursivefilms.com. That's cursive, like the handwriting films.com. And we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, all those other good places. And then if you want to see some of my more personal work, you can also check out www.michaelrothermel.com. The last name is R-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-L. Yeah. And follow me on Instagram, any of those other places. I'd love to connect. And yeah, I mean, if you have any more questions or want gear recommendation, or just maybe you want to, you know, produce a bigger film than just a Zoom call. Yeah, definitely hit me up and I'd love to chat. Sounds great, Michael. I wholeheartedly recommend Michael. Just, you guys can probably pick this up, but like, he's one of the kindest, sweetest people I've ever met. And just, and you're like, just the talent, like, I mean, you take, something like video, which is so complex and just do your ability to break it down and think through stuff. Yeah, I can't recommend you enough. So grateful for you, grateful you found your calling and thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks so much, Melvin. It's a pleasure. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Bye. 
Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Michael, and especially if you have been looking for some more tips to improve your live videos, whether it's for online sessions or something like live streaming or creating videos for online courses or for your membership site content. I hope that today's podcast session has been helpful for you and just gives you some new and different ideas in terms of um, how you can improve your video quality. There, Michael mentioned a number of things, and you can find that on the show notes page over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 250. As I was uh, thinking about this conversation, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. One is the importance of good sound quality. So, I mean, for me personally, right, like, especially with online sessions and things like that, our clients are paying us and we're often charging, you know, professional level prices, right? And so to me, you know, investing in a quality microphone uh, just seems to make the most sense. And, but quality, again, quality microphone doesn't have to mean expensive. And so if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash mic, that has my current recommendation of like a budget friendly microphone that I use for the most part. The mic that I use for things like live streaming for online courses, and even I'm actually going to experiment with it for like sessions and coaching calls as well, is the Rode VideoMic NTG, which I am like loving this mic, but it's not cheap. It's around $250. So it's definitely not a cheap mic and it, and it may not even need to be your first mic, but It is a good mic because it's so versatile from everything from sessions to recording live streams to doing everything. You can find that mic on this page, which contains all of my live streaming gear, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash live streaming gear. And you can get a direct Amazon link to that that mic as well. The second thing that, that Michael mentioned was that really stood out to me is just the importance of good lighting. Again, because we are trying to, we want to like, we want to communicate a professional presence, right, with our clients. And so something as simple as, you know, having a softbox for videos, which are kind of just something that's out of, just out of frame, but that lights you up really well and kind of gives that cool look and is something that's just so helpful. Again, that live streaming gear link has links to what I would recommend for something that's, again, budget-friendly. Hey, friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
Hey there, hope you enjoyed today's podcast session. And especially if this is your second time listening to this podcast session, I hope that you've picked up just a, a new level of insight and something that helps you on your private practice journey. As I mentioned at the beginning, I will be back with new episodes very soon. And before we wrap up again, just wanted to encourage you to check out the Selling the Couch directory over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Um, I actually wanted to use this time just to talk a little bit more about not just the directory, but what we're doing and what my big vision for STC is. You know, as Selling the Couch grows, uh, what really weighs on me is how do we use um, our influence and how do we use the resources? And for me, how do I steward well um, all of what I'm creating? And so we're actually taking 50% of the profits from directory sales to create a scholarship fund for kids who have been rescued from brothels in the commercial sex trade. Um, when I was a grad student, I um, was very fortunate to work three weeks in Bombay, India with a NGO and with social workers in Kamatipura, which is the largest concentrated red light district in the world. Um, it's the largest red light district in Asia. And uh, I spent three weeks there, um, spent uh, a day right in the heart of the center of the red light district, um, going into brothels, with um, with with the social workers, um, doing lots of education on everything from HIV/AIDS, um, all the way to uh, trying to figure out what what some of these workers, the challenges they were facing, and I spent the majority of my time, about five hours away, um, helping at a school where the kids of these workers um, were were, and uh, just to teaching different classes, uh, getting to spend time with them, reading bedtime stories to the little ones. And f uh, ever since all of that happened, I just have always felt like, man, if I ever get the chance to do some big things in the world, I want to make sure that uh, everything I create uh, leads to something way bigger than me. And so, um, and fortunately, selling the couch happened and now the STC directory is happening. And so this is where... Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, we can dedicate our time and our resources. And I really have some big plans as we go forward with this. Again, you can learn more about the Selling the Couch directory over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Be sure to enter the promo code podcast to get your first. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.